In the Dantabhumi Sutta, the, or the tamed stage, Buddha talks about the graduated process of training and uh, training the mind, and he likens it to use the image, as so often the Buddha does, uh, of the uh, untrained mind being like the wild elephant trampling things down going everywhere it wants generally raucous and confused says how does this creature ever going to get calmed and uh, nourished and straightened and cleared, you know, of its uh, crazy habits. And it says, use the image of, uh, it says, well, what you do is you take a tamed elephant, one that's uh, malleable, flexible, uh, wise, careful, and you, you get on on the back of the tamed elephant you go into the jungle and the tamed elephant and the wild elephant recognize each other so the tamed elephant comes alongside the wild elephant and strokes it with its trunk kind of puts bananas in its mouth and things like that <laughs> so the tamed elephant oh it's okay the wild elephant calms down and begins to then accompany the tamed elephant, and you bring it in, bring the tamed, bring the wild elephant in, and then he goes through a whole sequence of how uh, he trained that uh, wild elephant. <coughs> so this is a simile of how we uh, press the teachings to our hearts. Uh, press the uh, qualities that are brought before us take us take them to our hearts we're not really saying we have to be uh, a certain way but you're just kind of bringing the opportunities and uh, bringing them towards your heart mm. One of the um, fundamental things that we cultivate is these qualities of the the immeasurables, so sometimes called the Brahma Viharas, but it's also useful to call them the immeasurables. Mm. Measurables because uh, this is the qualities of the of the of the mind that's liberated from judgment, measuring. Um, Limiting, restricting, has a has a very short to- fuse on tolerance, and uh, it's cramped. Uh, so this is something that just uh, gets induced. This cramping and uh, confusion of the heart. So how do you how does it begin to experience the qualities of 
goodwill, freedom from hostility, goodwill, measurelessness, you have to begin to bring that quality towards the wild heart, the, uh, uh, the wild elephant, the raging heart. Confused heart. It's like uh, offering a chance to to acknowledge the potential in all that craziness and wildness for his goodwill. That the wild elephant and tamed elephant are the same creature. They're of the same species. They're not different from each other. And so all our uh, the tendencies of the wild heart to uh, you know, trample things down and flail around are really it's confusion, not missing the point, not getting the nourishment that it needs. So to to begin to hold that wild heart trampling, confused, raging, uh, ragged, um, ups and downs, just hold it very carefully, like you begin to sort of drip these qualities of goodwill, measurelessness through that, you're pressing against that, pressing it against the heart. So this is, uh, you know, a vehicle for liberation. It's not just about being nice to others as to myself. And most, uh, uh, most, well, the instruction I would recommend is that you always begin with yourself and you begin with imagining as the Buddha often uses imagery, because there's a certain level of the mind, which is the image-forming mind has greater potential than the reasoning-measuring mind. Reasoning-measuring mind can't really work outside its own uh, its own boundaries. We have to have that leap of imagination. leap of imagination too helps us to bring and imagine what it would be like you know if this very moment the mind of goodwill was turned towards us or towards this very quality of the heart right now the mind of goodwill the intention the inclination of goodwill the tamed elephant was stroking that with his trunk just uh, just getting in contact with it touching it not being frightened of it not bashing it not even trying to train it but just of all making contact making contact touching uh, stroking it with its trunk. It's a very nice image that. <coughs> Actually, you know, just even touching it, stroking it, that itself is already quality of goodwill, the sense of we are interested in being present with the, the fearfulness or the negativity or cynicism or the feeling of fed up, whatever it is, yeah. instead of just going into its, its proliferations or trying to um, change it in some way, we're first of all just going to touch it, touch it, come close to that. 
You first of all have to meet the wild elephant on its own on its own ground. As the tamed elephant goes out into the jungle, you meet the wild elephant on its own ground. Yeah. How is it? How does it feel to feel? And then the various qualities that uh, are, are touched on. Hmm? She, with all these measureless states, there are certain um, things that are, they have in common. Hmm? Abundant, exalted, immeasurable, free from hostility, without ill will. Awesome. So, the poverty, the impoverished heart, so dry and barren, impoverished, bleak. The uh, instead of the exalted heart, the heart that seems depressed and downcast. This one hostile. Hostility means you imagines and conceives and experiences is attuned to the something out there that doesn't like me. Yeah. So it's hostility refers to the apprehension of not being welcome, you might say. Something wrong with me. Uh, and we're just looking to find out a signal that will tell me what's wrong with me. Yeah looking for that frown of disapproval or we interpret things in that way. You have a mind that's poised to pick up and interpret things in terms of hostility. And a mind that inclines towards ill will, that is instead of nourishing, finding fault, fault-finding mind. These are, these are experiences that... Uh, get programmed and they're not always there but so it's one of those um, spins that the mind gets into it goes wild you notice when it begins to occur particularly you know when we feel the mind, we feel that the mind is impoverished, bleak, and um, when it feels like that, no resources. Can we be with that? What does it take just to be present with that? <clears throat> Instead of the kind of uh, either, what tends to happen is we disconnect from the, the heart in those places and we go up into thoughts, kind of panic thoughts of what we have to have, what we need. You know, this is where you get the consumer addictions. This is the impoverished state throws us into something kind of frantic, filling ourselves with something, trying to fill ourselves with something. Of course, it doesn't doesn't work. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you, you can just stop there all the time, but sometimes you tip in, tips into that, and then you just start something to feed on, something to fill read something, eat something, smoke something, drink something, buy something. <coughs> and it gets to be a habit. Um, the basis of addiction is this state of impoverished, impoverished state. And uh, when we acknowledge the addictions, uh, the impoverished state, uh, and then what accompanies that is actually something more like shame and blame. You know, 
So you just start to impoverish it a little more. I think if you punish it hard enough, surely that will make you feel better. This is the kind of madness of the world, of the crazed mind. <laughs> you, you know, if it's in a bad state, the best thing to do is beat it up a bit. <laughs> this is what happens when we're out of sync with, 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 uh, with the Dhamma, with the heart. And those places where we're not really uh, replete and we're needy and we're desperate, the places where you really have to hold it very carefully, just there's someone who can come into presence with that. And uh, the suggesting what really helps is you're coming into presence and feeling you have this body, the feet, the space around you. And you might just at that time just bring up, acknowledge the fact that probably even today, probably, you know, even in silent retreat, there is an expression of goodwill towards you, which is not based upon your performance, not based upon your credentials, not based upon your appearance, not based upon your wage not based upon you paying something back, and just because the quality of goodwill is a natural quality of nature, human nature. Quality of the heart is goodwill. Quality of the tamed heart, the heart that's in connection, the heart that's not lost, it by itself has goodwill in it. How could it be otherwise? Goodwill is the willingness to be here. The willingness to open. The willingness to be present. The willingness to engage. The willingness to to be here. This is already will that's good. Rather than will that's sour. Wanting to get away. Not wanting to be present, wanting to crash out, wanting to annihilate myself, wanting to dump, wanting to avoid, wanting to bury in the blankets, the TV, the magazine, the ice cream, whatever. You know, when it's uh, that vibhava, the thirst, the craving to annihilate myself into something, use something to dump it all down. This is what happens when we lose connection to to the fullness of the heart when these dissonant programs take over and the thing with addiction any kind of addiction is it's sustained because the sankhara this formative tendencies have they themselves habituate that is, if you get a particular program, that becomes something that holds you together. It holds you together. See, the sankhara is a is a dynamic and energy that forms you, and it can be a heart quality. So it's it's uh, it's triggered by, you know, we say that the, the the initiator, the arousal of it, is perception and feeling. And then it activates, and it activates, and it forms a particular program. The program can be one of craving, or you know, or it could be one of loving kindness. You know, you get these addictive programs. The crave, they're, they're there to establish ourselves. They get the sense of this is what I am, and that's their program to establish yourself. And that that program is so persistent, it doesn't really matter what you establish yourself as, as long as you get that sense. I mean, no, it's not correct to say that you, it wants to establish you, a you, (laughs) with such persistence, because that's the only thing it can do. So that it will form around anything. So it will form around your poverty, that experience, and it becomes you and it becomes a fixation and you feel you are it you have it and it's 
uh, even though it's unpleasant, it kind of the, the holds you together. This is why we there are two uh, fundamental resources that, that are Buddha said are essential for practice. One is called either Kalyanamita, spiritual friend, or sometimes the voice of another. Somebody coming from outside your world system, you know your structure. And saying, "Hey, no, that's not. No, you haven't got it right there. <laughs> you know, uh, no, it's like this. Yeah, yeah, and actually challenges the way you structure yourself, the way we see ourselves, the way we hold ourselves. Someone is prepared to come up close. This is when the the tamed elephant is outside, and he comes up close." I don't. I don't see you like that. Isn't it like this? Or that's just the habit. Or that's that. You know, somebody is prepared to draw close with their trunk, make contact. So this is one resource, and the other is one's own deep attention, one's own yoni somanisikara. So he said these two, the yoni somanisikara means we, we do it's the internalization of the spiritual friend. Something saying, oh, hang on, what's that? That you believe, whatever you believe yourself to be, that, believing whatever you believe and feel instinctive you are, that pattern, that's a sankara. That's sankara forming. Anything you conceive yourself as being, good, bad, indifferent, somewhat good, that's sankara, that's not actually a self. So you look out for the sign of self, and it gives you an indication that, you know, oh, I'm like this. That's a sankara, and what's the tone of it? And so you hear the tone when it's kind of the impoverished mind, then we say, oh, this, this is therefore something that needs to be handled with abundance, with uh, kindness, with compassion, with appreciation, with these qualities. So then it, it, it's like you're running a different program through the system, and that's what caused, so that old program then is, begins to shift. And that's, that's the theme of it, just by, if you say, dripping or running through the quality of impoverished, uh, failure, uh, no good, useless, um, clueless, flunked. <laughs> and it's, instead of just going into all that and building it up with more statistics, <coughs> Get, get it, you know. So you begin to even just go through some of the mental uh, currents or the thoughts systems or the repetitive emotions. So oh, this is the impoverished mind. Therefore, because it's impoverished, it needs to be held with a sense of celebration and with a sense of uh, of appreciation and with a sense of like bringing the tamed elephant towards that. <clears throat> Imagine what we will be like. Just imagine what it would be like to be seen through those eyes, the eyes of goodwill. You know, that are not making the measurements, not defining you not adding up the dots, the statistics. Yeah. Not saying, well, he did this, he didn't do that, you know, this, and I feel like that. Not doing that. We're just saying, you know, this is the wild creature, seeing even in that, that the, uh, something where 
enlightenment can come or liberation can come or uh, beauty can arise. Because the impoverished heart, once it's handled carefully, is exceptionally sensitive to um, goodwill. The good, but it's goodwill that's not missionary goodwill. You know, that is, cheer up, you know, be happy, you know, pull yourself together. Don't worry about that. But. Uh, it's not missionary goodwill, it's the goodwill is saying, oh yeah, this is, this is the impoverished state, feels like this, doesn't it? Oh yeah, that's it, do it again. Yeah. <laughs> Let's really feel it for fully, Let's uh, not, not hold back on that one, Just, uh, listen to it, feel it, how it is. And uh, Hey, that's not the, I should be complaining about myself by now, I'm making it worse. Instead of just feeling that, knowing it, contacting it, touching it. And you see that that ability to not be phased and righteous and um, dismissive or turn away from the impoverished mind is already something where it begins to sense, okay, it's okay to be here. We come out of that annihilation into, you know, the mind can start to change and shift out of its sankharas, out of its habits. And whenever the liberation is that whenever the grip of that pattern releases, and you do, you do recognize, you're able to recognize, oh yeah, you know, we, I, there are these potentials. You begin to see things, you begin to experience yourself in a different way. The mind of that perceives things in terms of hostility. That is, you know, one is in enemy territory. <coughs> We're living in enemy territory uh, where uh, we're always waiting or expecting that other people are dis- disapproving of us in some way or another. And just uh, are not mentioning it right now, but there's a uh, this hovering sense of disapproval, we get the, the, the sense of this is ang- endless anxiety. There must be something I'm doing wrong um, somehow, you know. <laughs> Fear and anxiety, we're not, and from that we're not able to, to uh, expand, to play. We're restricted by the fear of doing something wrong being too noisy, being too big, being too something or the other. We don't know what it is, but there's something wrong. And then you can fill in the details. Of what. So this is, of course, something that comes with the in, intense structuring of our lives, where there's a lot of uh, rights and wrongs. And you, you know, if whenever you enter some kind of system, like I notice people come into a monastery, they immediately start to figure out what they're doing wrong. What am I doing wrong? Just because you get something like the perception of monastery, uh, and it's like you know, they must be all, you know, quiet and pure and silent and holy and never had an evil thought in their lives and so forth. And there must be all kinds of rules that you're breaking just by existing. <laughs> You know, so it's a great place to to experience that that 
So it's because actually people are walking in silence as well, in silence. So there isn't that sense of of uh, something. You know, like <coughs> you just, you're left with your own projections. And generally, Phyllis probably got thousands of rules that nobody's mentioned to me. So I don't know what they are, but I'm probably breaking them by now. <laughs> It's something to do with institutions, you know. The institution is always that uh, uh, kind of the uh, thing that is uh, checking you out, law and order. <coughs> you go through, um, you know, you go through customs, immigration, and you feel like it's terrorists just as soon as you walk in. You feel like. <laughs> <laughs> so, these things you have to check, you know, are you bringing in firearms? No, why should I bring firearms? And, you know, you've got plenty already, you don't need any more. <laughs> drugs, well, the country's stuck with drugs too, I haven't got any. <laughs> have you committed, and there's one called, have you committed any act of moral turpitude? <laughs> you know what you're supposed to say? <laughs> are you an, and it says, are you a member of the Nazi party? You know? You know, like, jeez, like everybody's coming in is obviously a complete, you know, violent criminal coming in. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you come to these institutionalized places, you know, essentially the institution will always, uh, is going to, chuck you out or not let you in or disapprove of you it's not gonna that's the that's the, that's the feeling we have about them. they're not um they're not human they are they are they're not uh, accepting they're not allowing they're not flexible they've got rigid structures and we assume that that rigid structure is no room for wild elephants And particularly, it's, it's quite a turnaround in, in the monasteries, Buddhist monasteries, because you change the word, you don't call it monastery, you call it refuge, Buddhist refuge, and so it doesn't have quite the same tone to it. Yeah. And it's uh, more the case, we find that actually monasteries are places where all the, all the <laughs> crazy misfits go. <laughs> rejected everywhere else <laughs> okay <laughs> and then some of them become monks and after a while teaching <laughs> yeah, they weren't all the, the kind of good people it was all the wacky ones who couldn't fit in anywhere <laughs> and that's uh you know, the beauty of it, really. <clears throat> so just noticing what the, the default system is when you meet other people or you come into a, a form or a structure or a situation, being on the lookout for the disapproval. That's what we call a mind that's attuned to hostility. It may be low-grade hostility, but the sense you could come somewhere and people go, oh, wonderful, you've turned up, great. Oh, you know, actually, you could be a, a plus rather than a minus or, or an obstruction or an intrusion or a noise. <laughs> so you see that particular habit. <clears throat> Don't want to disturb. Mm. So this is the mind that's attuned to hostility. Whether it's there or not, that's the thing we look out for because 
you know, the way that we're structured is, well, if it's not there, I'll be on guard. And if it is there, I'll be on guard. Because if I'm not on guard, I might get a hit. So it's better to be secure and safe rather than, you know, accidentally find to drop your guard and you get a hit. So we live in a world of mistrust. And you can see this kind of phenomenon taking over uh, society in general. <coughs> mistrust, huge amounts of paranoia and mistrust. And yeah, the, there is, and eventually you think, well, perhaps it's better to get a hit once every 10 years than to live with a day after day with a mind of mistrust. You know, take the chance. <laughs> It might be wonderful. Uh, what would it be like to be seen as someone who is essentially welcome? You play with it, play with that idea that your presence in another person's life in another moment is something that's welcomed rather than dealt with. You know, kind of allowed but not really welcomed what would it be like to to just run that program so that your your presence might be a blessing to a situation might be better than your absence yeah I've always assumed my absence is one of my best features (laughs) 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 the tendency to have that that inclination that really, you know, better if I wasn't around. Um, I think it's tedious to to just be, uh, you know, have that particular sankara there, you know, and trying to do the things to make oneself good enough to feel people will accept it. The amount of psychological stuff you go through trying to come up with enough good things say good things be good things in order to feel accepted when actually you're already accepted but you didn't notice it (laughs) because the mind the sankara of self acts like a a screen you get into your 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 selfhood your reality and it takes a lot to get through that Mm. so then you know how much can you expect from other people to turn turn it on you know as Kalyanamita, spiritual friendship a lot of it we have to own up to how we sense ourselves in our relationship how we sense ourselves in presence in the presence of others how we sense ourselves how we sense the space around us I don't mean the physical space, I mean the psychological space. Is it something where you've actually, the willingness, there's an openness, or is it something that's cold, stale, or even slightly prickly? Uh, How do you feel? So we start to just run that other one through. What would it be like to feel that your presence was an asset, a blessing, a welcome. Mm-hmm. Not doing it, not by doing anything, just by being around. Mm-hmm. And it's very important to, to find that at the level of being rather than doing. Because, uh, you know, as I say, you know, my experience or that of other, other people, a lot, there can be a lot of doing things to try to be accepted or feel good enough or, you know. And it isn't really dealing with the topic. This isn't about doing. This is about being, you know. Being exactly how it is now.
And when we begin to recognize how it is now, it's not a particularly happy, pleasant, rich experience. So how can that be welcomed? Um, This is what we have to, you know, kind of, this is what we need the imagination for. Because there's nothing wrong with you. It's just you've got a defective program happening now. But there's nothing wrong with you. You've got to kind of take a breath and step outside the program. And it's often, so often the case is that you're, it's only part of you is running that program. You know, you've got some, you're kind of like you've got a head in the bag. And so in that, when your head's in that bag, you only see the inside of the bag. And so this is why we start to bring the quality of welcome just into the body. Sense of what would it be like to feel your, your physical form is being held carefully, considerately, respectfully, you know, welcomed, physically welcomed. Because then we, we find a place outside of our thoughts outside of our emotions and you begin to kind of work on the edges of that ill will mm-hmm. relaxing your face relaxing your hands relaxing the chest and the abdomen what would it be like just to feel now the presence of goodwill happening to you, into your body to your body and then when it begins to shift, as your body begins to soften and relax, your heart starts to soften and relax. And yeah. You, know, you don't have to carry that program. It doesn't have to be running all the time. Without host- freedom from hostility... Freedom from ill will, without ill will, means we, something in us is, pu- is putting that out. The accusing or the fault-finding, fault-finding mind. Cynical mind, seeing the shortcomings. Yeah. And this irritating habit <laughs> that we can get into. Just And uh, it's all, again, when you're in it, it's all completely true. And it, yeah, statistically it's true. There are these, you can link up the dots, say, yep, it's true. She did this and this and this, and she never did that. And they say they do this, but in fact they do that. I heard him say last year he was going to do this, but look what he's doing today. It's not what he said he was. He's not living up to so forth. Got it measured. Some total failure. (laughs) Another one trashed. people humans hate them all (laughs) they all let me down (laughs) where are you going to find a good person you find a good person by being a good person (laughs) And you have a good person, you say, oh, yeah, well, you know, <laughs> she's like this and like that, but she's also like this and like that. You know, you see that there are different, there's a whole range of faculties. And you don't have to uh, get into the mind of ill will. Again, it's an incredible program, like all of them. There's magnetic pull to it. You get good at it, and it holds you together. You know, if you can... St- get that finger out and start jabbing it around everybody else you know you, you feel you've got it you're on top you know <laughs> you know everybody else's number and uh, there's a certain sort of strange magnetic power to it the ability to find fault because you're right mm-hmm. 
Well, of course, the, uh, you know, where does it go? Does it make you feel happy? Comfortable, at ease? Nope. Do you find the, do you find the, the right person? Nope. All every one of them's a, you know, dog-eared. You've got their feet of clay or whatever. They're not here when I want them. They are here when I don't want them. <laughs> you know, when you're the fault-finding mind, you realize there's nobody really you can ever please it because you can always see something. I wish it wouldn't be so cheerful all the time and not irritates me. And we, you, what would it be like, you know, and just look at that mind and you realize how, how fragile it is. All it can do is find fault. And it, it holds itself together by finding fault. It crystallizes around seeing that which is wrong. And it crystallizes, and every one of these sankharas has their... Their, their magnetism is that they, they crystallize, they solidify, they give you a position. It may be a lousy position, but it's a position. And as far as Sankaras go, that's job done. <laughs> you know, it doesn't have to be good, but this, the job is done. You are signed, sealed, delivered, that's your address. You know, okay, another one locked into Sankara. <laughs> your, your position. And the, the, the energy of it is there's a certain kind of energy and, and power that goes with that. Because sort of you, you, you feel solid in it. So when we c- begin to check in with any of these, and generally what occurs is with any of them, is that there's the assumption this is, this is true, it's the only truth. It's right. It's the way I really am, being honest. It's the way the world really is, the way the people are. You know, you can't trust any of them really. They always turn up late, you know, or they turn up early, or they turn up on time. Being too, they're so kind of goody goody, they turn up on time. <laughs> you know, so it's always like, like that, and uh, it keeps running. So you, just, you know, but then you can check into the the feeling of it, the power of it, the magnetism of it, and the um, the isolation of it all. This is where you know the baseline of the practice of healing the heart is just the empathy for the, you know, tamed elephant touches the wild elephant. You just touch it. How are you? How are you doing? Had a good fault-finding day today, have we? (laughs) You know, it's like, how's it? How does it feel? Just the sense of the the touch of empathy has a quite a powerful effect because it is the fundamental thing that overcomes um, <coughs> or tugs the sleeve you know or nudges the formation of self how uh, you know sometimes these very negative self positions how besieged how alone they are are cut off and we come back to the fundamental sense of separateness, separation, which is the basic pain. And anything that says there's not, you know, there's empathy here, we're in an empathic world. The sense of just being heard and seen, acknowledged, touched, 
in one's place of pain is already the beginning of freedom, the release, the, oh, there's something there, there's something else there, apart from my world system. What would it be like? What would it be like to sympathize with a negative mind? Not because you're yeah, agreeing with it, because you recognize that's, that's the mind of pain. That's the mind of loss. That's the mind that's it's, uh, trapped. That's the mind that's um, cut off. So this is uh, the baseline of of empathy that runs through all these Brahma-vihara. Just beginning to uh, bear in mind that uh, how come these, uh, some of these references resonate, Because they are experiences that everyone or other people have too. Just like me. There's that sense of feeling low, empty, barren. It's not, it's not actually a me. It's a, it's a form that occurs, a diseased form that occurs in human beings. So it's just like that. There's the uh, mind that fears, feels anxious. Uh, Just like me, there's the mind that prickles and finds fault. There's a kind of common, common dissonance. And we begin to recognize that as a shared thing. It's no longer the the belief in it or the shame about it or the knee-jerk trying to fix it. Essentially, it's this first noble truth and why the Buddha places it there. You know, when he didn't know what to teach, first of all, you know, this awakening experience, what what can I actually, I don't know if I can teach anybody anything, really. You know, how do you you start? And then the inspiration came, well, just go and teach out of compassion, teach out of empathy was the phrase, Anukampa, teach out of empathy. So, okay, what's, what's the empathy going to be about? And walking took him six weeks, I think, to get to Varanasi. The empathy is, the empathy is, hey, we all suffer, don't we? <laughs> That's where the empathy is. We all suffer, don't we? Yeah. We all experience this, uh, Dissonant, disconnected, shocked, frightened, shamed, regretted state, experience. So, as we all say, yes, it's true. Suddenly, oh, you're not alone. You're not a separate, isolated entity that's rejected. You're, you're in the family, you're in the field. Welcome home, brothers and sisters in suffering. And uh, that's the marvelous thing, because on a rational level, that shouldn't make any difference at all. But on an emotional level, oh, it shifts the sankhara of selfhood, of isolation, of separateness. So whatever feels to be me, mine, myself. This is how one should regard it, as an irritation, as a dart, as a dissonance. Whatever is felt in that way, this is how it should be regarded. Because even if it seems really good and interesting, it will surely hobble you and cripple you and limit your potential. This is even 
the Buddha said, even with good states, let alone bad states, <laughs> whatever is seen as self, mine, I am, you should regard it as a danger, as a peril, because it will limit, it will cripple you, it will keep you in bondage. And you see this most uh, dramatically when we find ourselves constantly attached and formed in things that are manifestly unpleasant and yet seemingly when you're in it you can't see how you get out of it because you're in it and the self that's in it can only stay in it <laughs> the self that's impoverished can only do impoverished that's what its job is to be impoverished it can only do that the self that's experiencing fear and anxiety it can only do fear and anxiety because that's its job that's what it knows how to do that sankara has got it down perfect tuned crafted polished over years of effort and endeavor to sustain that impression it got it down you can't that self cannot see it otherwise it's its job is to be miserable <laughs> so you don't start out cheering it up because <laughs> it's got all, all the means to 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 shrug that off you say no you're not such a bad no you don't really know how i am I think you're really great. Are oh, you just saying that? It's easy to shut that. You know, oh, you're just a nice guy. You don't know the truth. You know? You're just being sweet. It's very nice of you. Thank you very much. Okay. Oh, I know the truth. You know, easy. It's easy to shrug all that stuff off. Don't come here with that metabolic stuff. You know, <laughs> kind of syruping over me all the time. I want to be grumpy. There's various means to make sure that that, that, that sankara stays locked. You know? <laughs> so you can't make it good, but what you can do is make it not self. It's just the way it is. What you can do is that you're not saying it's it's uh, anything other than that. The first gesture is it's not self. That's just the form. Look, you know, something else is touching it. You're not incarcerated. You're not as solid as you think you are. So to come out of self, you because you, you can't, you, you can't. It's nothing, you can't imagine it, you can't see it, you can't feel it, you feel what you feel, you just start to imagine what it would be like, you know, to not have to be doing that all the time. Mm. Now this is our kind of act of faith, you might say, to take a rest. Mm. What would it be like to not know who you are? to not have a name for it, not to have a definition for it. What would it be like to not know who you are? To not have that profile? What would it be like just to say, today no profile. Today is just the breath. Today is just the thought. Today is just the, the sound. Today is just the foot touching the snow. Today is just the blue sky. Today is just the bean sprouts going into my mouth today it's just that because that's actually what's happening <laughs> you know we don't you come to the immediacy of really what's happening you come out of this fog of the sankara mm -hmm. so <coughs> this is the way we can use our time to cultivate so particularly you know, on retreat situations, part of the whole process is to be a bit unknown to others. You, sort of, you need to fill in the blanks. 
it's, it's something beautiful just about being in the unknown and then being an unknown to oneself stopping the communication, switching off the cell phone, the internet, just, you don't know who you are. And not measuring. Was it a good day? Was it a bad day? You're succeeding? Are you failing? You're going forward, backward, declining? What do you think? Do you have to figure it? Do you have to make some sort of assessment? You have to come up with stars. You need a brass band when you come out of the meditation hall. Or could it be just whatever that is that which we sense as arising, passing, gestures, impressions. And really the important thing is that openness and space and freedom from the known.